we are going to come round the Word of God. It is, thank you, it is the final part of our um, reboot series. So if you have been around for the past two weeks, you will know that we have been kind of talking around this theme of rebooting. Um, if you missed any of it, they're online. You can get on Spotify or your podcast app and catch up on those that encourage you to do so. But we're going to look at this third and final part in the series. So we've already covered the story of Noah in week one and how God in that moment chose to wipe out all of humanity. And then he rebooted with just one family, didn't he? Noah and his family. And then last week we talked about the Israelites and their time in the, in the wilderness and how God didn't wipe out the whole of humanity, but he wiped out one generation of his people because of their sinfulness and decided to then reboot with the next generation. And so today what I want to look at in this kind of third and final part is some lessons uh, from the upper room. We're jumping right into the New Testament. Um, so turn with me to Acts chapter 1. And we are going to delve into um, some scripture here. I'm going to read verses 6 to 8 from chapter 1 and then jump into chapter 2. It says this. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And then jump with me to chapter 2, starting at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes, Medes, I don't know, and the Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia. Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in, their, in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? And then Peter goes on to explain to those in the room what it is that's happening, what it is that's going on. And then jump over to verse 36. It says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent. 
and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. It's just an incredible and powerful moment in the history of the church. I can't imagine what it must have been like to be there, but what a privilege, yeah? What a privilege to be there in that moment when the Holy Spirit first came down. And so as we come to this final part in our series, what I love is this progression that we're seeing through these, through these three stories that we're picking up on. We're seeing the necessity of God's judgment. We're seeing the outworking of his grace. And we're seeing the consistency of his call for us as his people to flourish. For Noah, God brought down his judgment and justice on a sinful world, wiping out all of humanity. But he had grace for one family didn't he? he? had grace for that one family. And so as they came out of the ark, that, that reboot, if you like, God encourages them, go, be fruitful, and multiply in number. And then in the wilderness that we touched on last week, once again, God is bringing his judgment on his people, this generation of moaners and groaners and complainers who were totally ungrateful for everything that God had already done for them and brought them through. And because of that, they didn't make it into the promised land. Because of that, God brought down his judgment on them and wiped them out. But God is faithful to his promise. And he had grace for his people. And so even though this generation didn't see the fulfillment of God's promise, their children did, the next generation, and the generation after that. They were instructed, this new generation, instructed to, to go in, to take possession of this land, of this promise that God had given to them, and to flourish there. And then now, in this, in this third reboot example, God's judgment is once again being poured out because of the sinful nature of man. Only this time, his judgment isn't being poured out on us. This time, it's not being poured out on humanity or on one generation of people. It's being poured out on Jesus, his son. And so we see this magnificent grace being lavished on us, 
protecting us from the punishment that each and every one of us deserves. Whether we do charity work, whether we do volunteer work, whether we help our neighbors, whatever it is, even with all of that, we all fall short of the glory of God. We are all sinful by nature. And so Jesus died. Jesus died, taking the fullness of God's wrath so that we don't have to. It's amazing, isn't it? And so on his resurrection, Jesus' instruction to his disciples that we've read is that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. He encourages his people once again to go into the world, to preach the good news, to make disciples, to be fruitful and to multiply God's kingdom on earth. Every time, every one of these examples, we're seeing God bringing his judgment. But then out of this reboot, he then encourages growth and multiplication for his people to then flourish and thrive, to become all that he wanted them to be. And then the other beautiful thing in this progression that we can see through these three examples is God's constant desire for relationship with us, to be with us. He chose Noah of all of the people because he walked closely with God, because Noah placed such a great importance and priority on his relationship with God. And then with the Israelites, we saw, didn't we, that he gave instructions for them to build the tabernacle, this literal place where God's presence could dwell amongst his people. He longs to be with his people, even though they were this generation of moaners and groaners who forgot everything that he had done for them. Even with all of that, he still wanted to be with them. He still wanted his presence to dwell amongst them. So he gave them these instructions for the tabernacle. And then finally here in Acts, we no longer see God dwelling just with us, but in us by the power of his spirit. How amazing is that? He longs for relationship with his people. He longs to be with us, to dwell with us, for us to be connected with him. And so he chose to send his Holy Spirit to dwell within us so that we can be in relationship with him, so that we can always be in his presence. So this morning, let's just take a a deeper look at this, this third reboot at Pentecost. Jesus told his disciples, didn't he, to wait until they were clothed with power from the Holy Spirit. That's what it says in Luke's gospel. Stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And so in the scripture that we read in Acts 2, we see the Holy Spirit arrive in power and uh, the people begin to speak in tongues and 
understandably for those who weren't experiencing it, but were just witnessing it, it was a little bit confusing. They're like, what the heck is going on here? This is not something anyone has ever witnessed before. This, like, what seems like fire hanging on their heads and them speaking this unknown language. It's brand new. It's, it's dramatic. It's never been seen before. And I wonder, just as a slight aside to the message this morning, that maybe if this, this first instance of the Holy Spirit was so big and so bold and so dramatic, that maybe it's like the launch of a, a brand new stadium, if you'll just kind of flow with me in this uh, analogy for a moment. Maybe it's a little bit like uh, the launch event for a brand new venue. There's all these lights and sound and music. There's fireworks. Everything is going on to make this one moment, this opening day, this initial celebration really special. But that doesn't then mean it's going to be like that every time. This is a big moment, so they're going to make a big deal out of it so that people know that God has finally arrived on the scene in his spirit. But just because you weren't there on opening night, just because you weren't there for the fire and the tongues, doesn't mean you won't get to enjoy it for yourself. And it might not come with all these bells and whistles and lights and fireworks. But sometimes there will be special events. Like this first night, like this opening night, sometimes there will be these moments where there's all the lights and the dancing and the singing and the fireworks and whatever, but not every time. Not every time. It's not always going to look like that. Maybe I'm stretching this analogy a little bit, but hopefully you get what I'm saying and you can follow me a little bit. I don't believe that the Holy Spirit was just for this moment at Pentecost. I don't believe that it was a one-time event. And I also don't believe that receiving the Holy Spirit has to look like this. I don't think that it has to look like this. It could look like a moment of calm and of peace. It could look gentle. It could look restful. That was just an aside. Maybe that was helpful for someone. I don't know. But as I was writing, I was just like, I don't know, I was hit by that, that maybe that just needed a little bit of explaining because I think there can maybe almost be an expectation, particularly in Pentecostal circles where we talk about the Holy Spirit and we picture this dramatic events, but actually it's not always like that. And I'd hate for anyone to be here thinking, oh, but I haven't spoken tongues. I haven't fallen over. I haven't done all these kind of wacky things that you might even hear about. But that doesn't mean that you've not received the Holy Spirit. He moves in all kinds of ways. So Peter's explaining to the people what it is that's going on on this day of Pentecost. And he quotes from the prophet, uh, the prophet Joel, who says, God declares... I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. That's why I'm able to stand here and say this wasn't for one moment. This wasn't just for them. It's for all of us. God declares, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. There'll be prophecy, dreams, and visions. The Holy Spirit is for all who believe. I use uh, Mac products. I have an 
iPhone, I have an iPad, I have a MacBook. For anyone who uses Apple products, I can almost guarantee that none of you turn off your devices. It's just not something that Apple users tend to do. We just leave them on, they're kind of sitting there idle, ready to go at any moment, but they're, you know, with my computer, I don't power down, I just shut the lid and it's quiet and it's still, but it's still on, it's still working, it's still doing its thing. But when Apple releases an update, when they decide to upgrade their, their software, if you will, which will fix any bugs, it'll make the, the, the hardware, the computer, the phone, whatever, work even better than it did before, those benefits won't kick in until you turn it off and on again, until you reboot. And I picture this moment in scripture, and it's the same for us, that the disciples were told to wait to receive the power from on high. In that moment, I believe that God was updating their operating software. He was giving them an upgrade. He was updating them. He was preparing them to move into a season where they would be, you know, all the bugs and the problems were going to be fixed and they would be better than ever, more equipped to move into what God was calling them to do. More power, more knowledge, more wisdom, ready to kind of move into a greater potential. In that moment, they received a heavenly update in the person of the Holy Spirit. And they needed to shut down, to switch off, to reboot in order for this power to kick in and to take full effect. It's such a pivotal moment for the early church as the Holy Spirit arrives and then those witnessing, like we've said, they were, at first, they were confused. Maybe they, it says they were even said, these guys are drunk because they're talking gibberish. They were accused of being drunk. But Peter goes on and he explains what it is that's happening in the room. And then we see these spectators asking a question. They say, what shall we do? How shall we respond to what it is that we are witnessing here today? And Peter says to them, he replies, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When believers receive the power of the Holy Spirit and begin to walk in that, there's a reaction from others around us. People that want to know what it is that's going on. People that are intrigued by what's going on. Maybe even drawn to and attracted to what's going on. And it can lead them to respond, to want to know, how do I respond to this? And if we follow what Peter says, how is it that they should respond? By giving their life to Jesus, by saying, do you know what? I want some of that. I want this upgrade. I want this, this change within my spirit to be like these people. And Jesus said, didn't he, as part of his Sermon on the Mount, he said that our lives, our faith is a light to the world. Our faith, our, our, our walk as believers is a light to the world and we shouldn't hide it, but we should let it out for all of the world to see. We should make it plain for everyone, bright and open. Let it shine because it all points to Jesus. It all points to Jesus. 
And then we get to this beautiful picture of the early church in in Acts chapter 2. I'll just read it to you again. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the, pr- the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and with generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And it says, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. It's beautiful, isn't it? This, this picture of the early church, this life of, of peace, of harmony, of total unity. I love that there's this emphasis on doing life together, of eating together, of sharing together. And also it says coming together to pray, to have communion, to worship, all these things that they're being encouraged to do together. I'm super excited to be relaunching life groups in a couple of weeks because it means that we get to do some of this more than what we can do on a Sunday morning over a quick coffee after church, that kind of quick surface level conversation. When we move into life groups, it's kind of an opportunity for us to go deeper, to create stronger bonds with one another so that we can begin to share, that we can pray for each other, that we can support one another, that we can celebrate with one another. It's going to be exciting. I can't wait. So this early church that we're seeing as the Holy Spirit arrives on his people, they're setting the tone, the kind of blueprint, if you will, for how we should live. And what was the result? Aside from this incredible life that we've just uh, read about unity and about sharing, this this picture of the abundant life that, that God promises for us, the other incredible outcome is in that last verse that the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. What happens when we as believers come together without fighting, without over-politicizing everything, without being judgmental, but instead coming together in love, in unity, committed to God's word and to one another? What happens The church grows. We multiply. We're fruitful. That call that God has called us to. It says 3,000 were added that first day. And then it just continued. It's so good, isn't it? I believe that as we come out of this past 18 months, out of all the rubbish, the challenges, the struggles, as we reboot I believe that that God has been doing a work of preparation in us. He's been working both both behind the scenes and also in, in our families' lives, in our workplaces, in our various settings, whatever your kind of day to day look like in schools, in your friendship groups, in your community. God has been doing this work of preparation. We are rebooting. This is our chance to start again with fresh anointing, with fresh power, with fresh vision, to move into what God is already doing. 
He's doing a new thing, that verse in Isaiah says. He's doing a new thing. Are you ready to join in? Are you ready to join in, to get involved? I wonder if, if for some of us this morning, we've had this, this download, we've had this heavenly update, if you like, but maybe we just need to shut down for a moment. Rather than just leaving ourselves ticking along, maybe we just need to shut down, to, to pause for a while, to take some alone time, some quiet time, just me and God, just one-on-one, just me and him, just calming down, quietening ourselves, shutting down in that sense, so that we can begin to hear from God, so that we can get that clarity of vision, of perspective, of purpose, so that we can begin to perhaps walk with God as Noah walked with God. Maybe like the Israelites, you just need to take a moment to check your attitude. Maybe for you, you've perhaps not even realized it, but you've been moaning and groaning and grumbling about what's been going on over this past season, that you've got fed up and bored and tired of it all, and God's maybe just using this time as an opportunity to just say, hey, take a moment, check your attitude. Because if you continue with the moaning and the groaning and the grumbling, perhaps that's going to stop you stepping into his promise over your life. You need to say, do you know what? Enough is enough. It's been tough. It's been hard. I get that. But God, I hand it all over to you. I hand it all over to you and say, you can have it. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I don't want to stress about it anymore. I don't want to worry about that stuff anymore because I know that my God is for me. My God is with me. And he has got incredible things planned for us. Maybe you've been forgetting those blessings and miracles from the past, the breakthroughs that have already happened. And so maybe this moment is just a chance for us to remind ourselves to count your blessings, as they say, to remind yourself of everything that God has already done, that he's already brought you through, ready so that you can get to a place of just awe and wonder again of the incredible, awesome power of God, to remind yourself just how good he is. So maybe you need to quieten yourself down and just spend some quality time, just you and God. Maybe you need to check your attitude a little bit. Maybe for some of you, like those gathered around at Pentecost, you've been looking at this morning or this this series that we've been going through and perhaps you're a little bit confused and you're like, what is this reboot thing all about? What, What the heck are you on about, John? Maybe you've never really considered just how much it is that you need God's grace, but now you find yourselves like those people witnessing that first day of Pentecost, actually saying, how can I respond to this? How can I respond to what it is that I'm witnessing? And for you, perhaps a reboot is an opportunity to invite Jesus into your life for the very first time. Recognizing we all make mistakes and saying, do you know what, God, I am sorry, and just inviting him in. If that's you this morning, then please do come and speak to me after the service. I would love to pray with you. It would be my honor and my privilege. 
Maybe your takeaway is an encouragement this morning to let your light shine, not to hide it, not to bury it away, but to put it on a stand, to put it on a hill, to let your light shine, to be all that God has called you to be in your setting, in your workplace, in your school, with the people that you meet, to let people see just how much God's love and his grace impact the way that you live and the way that you love that they'll maybe recognize something in you that is different, that is positive, that is powerful. And I believe that out of that, there will come opportunities to tell people about Jesus. When we let our light shine, people are drawn to it. And then they begin to ask questions. How can I respond to what it is that I'm seeing? And that's what it's about, isn't it? That's what this walk of being believers, being Christians is all about. That we would draw people to Jesus. That we would have opportunities to share the good news of Jesus. The gospel of Jesus. The instructions were to wait, to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, and then to go. Not to continue waiting, not to staying where it's comfortable and where it's safe, but to taking that power, that upgrade, and to go and be his witnesses in all the world. That is this continued call to flourishing that we have seen through Noah, through the Israelites, and now at this day of Pentecost. The call that was given to Adam and Eve very, at the very beginning of time. He said, here you are, I've placed you in this garden, now flourish, be fruitful. That is our mission, it's our mandate, it's our purpose, not to stay, but to go. There's action required from us. We need to get up out of our seats and we need to go. We need to move. We need to step out in faith, in hope, in boldness. Throughout this reboot series, my hope and my prayer has been that these messages will propel you into this next season of your life. I pray that it has been a catalyst for hope, for vision, for breakthrough, for God-sized dreams in our lives. I pray that it will have given you the, the boldness and the courage to recognize that whatever it is that God is calling you to, no matter huge, how huge it might seem, like God's instructions to Noah to, to build an ark, no matter how big or impossible it might seem, that you can know that God is with you, that he is for you, that he can make a way where there is no way, that he can bring you through. It says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it's springing up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. As followers of Jesus. We have to move in the direction that God is calling us to. Instead of moving back, instead of shrinking back, instead of staying put, we've got to go, we've got to move, we've got to see where it is that God is working and get involved, get stuck in. I pray that we will all, and I'm speaking to myself as much as everyone else, today that we will grab hold of this opportunity, this chance to reboot, that we'll grab hold of it with both hands. 
We'll grasp hold of this chance to, to start again in a new way that is, that is new, that is interesting, that's exciting. To make a new and a fresh start with our priorities in place. Are there things in your life that you need to change? Are there habits that you have been doing for a long time that you need to break off? We've been singing about breakthrough and I don't think that's a coincidence because there are things that we need to break through. There are things that we need to break off in our lives that will allow us to move into the promise that God has got for us. Each and every one of us has been put here for a reason with a plan and a purpose for our lives. But if we're doubting, if we're not prioritizing our walk with God, but kind of letting it take second or third chair in our lives, if we're moaning, if we're grumbling, if we're continuing to do things we know that we shouldn't do, we're not going to be able to step forward into the fullness of God's promises. We've got to break through. We've got to break through. When God does something new, it's not for the sake of it. He's not just shaking things up because he's a bit bored and he thinks this might be fun to do something new and to do something different and to make things more interesting. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He sees this big picture that none of us will see. And we can know without a shadow of a doubt that his plans are good, that his plans are perfect, that his timing is everything. His plans are far greater than anything that we could imagine. I know that for many of us, we set things in motion and we, we maybe have a plan for our lives that looks like something and it might be a good plan. It might be a good kind of process. It might be a good forecast of what's going to happen. But who knows that God's plans are better than our plans. That we can put things in place that might get us to somewhere good. But God puts us in things in place that will get us to somewhere great. And so even if it means diverting from the plan that we had in place, we can know that as we step into God's plan, into God's path, that it is going to take us further than we could have ever dreamed or imagined. And what will happen? What will happen when we begin to walk in that? When we begin to trust in God, to step out in faith? I believe that people will be healed, that people will have hope, that people will be saved, that God's church will grow, that we will see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, that we will be his hands and his feet on this earth, that we will be able to give people a glimpse of what heaven looks like, that we will be able to show them what a life in Christ with his spirit dwelling in us looks like, that his church will grow, that people will be saved, that people's lives will be changed. That's what it's about, isn't it? That is what our life on this earth is about. God placed us here so he could have a relationship with us. He longs to be in relationship with his people, with each and every one of us. That no one should be without, that should be separated from God. That everyone should have a relationship with him. 
And so our job as believers, our role as, as men and women of God is to show people his goodness, to show people his grace through the way that we live our lives, through the way that we love our neighbors. We are called to love God and to love others. Through that, his kingdom will grow. Through that, we will see this this flourishing, this fruitfulness, this multiplication that we have seen through each of these three examples through this series. That is why we're here. That is our purpose. I believe that God has been doing some incredible work in these past 18 months, preparing hearts, preparing lives, molding each and every one of us, shaping each and every one of us, ready to step into the next part of our lives, the next part of our story. It's time for us to reboot, to reboot and to then step into the fullness of the power of God in our lives. Why don't we pray? Father God, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for each and every one of our lives. And we thank you for all of the work that you have been doing even when we haven't seen what it's looked like, what it's been, even if we're oblivious to the fact that you have been working, I pray that we we will uh, believe that you've been doing it and that we we can have a heart of thankfulness that says, God, we are grateful for everything that you have done in us, in our circumstances, whether that's our workplaces, our families, our, our community, whatever it is, we thank you for everything that you have been doing. And we thank you in advance for everything that you are going to do as we step out in power, as we step out in boldness, in faith, believing that you are with us, that you are for us, that you have got incredible plans for our future. And so we step out in joy. We step out in joy and we pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May we let our lights shine so that people around us can see and be drawn to your presence in us. And may we have the boldness and the courage to share that with them. That as they say, how is it that I can respond to what I'm seeing in your life? We can say, you need to invite God in. You need to invite God in. Why? so that we can see that fruitfulness, that multiplication that you long for. In Jesus' name.